Hello and welcome. This is Artist Unknown, a series of talks exploring objects and works of art from across the University of Cambridge collections, where the maker, as sometimes read on a label, is Artist Unknown. Why are they unknown? Is it important that we know? And how much can an object tell us about the person who made it? Today we welcome the Fitzwilliam Museum's Helen Ritchie, who tells us about a sampler and the integral role it played for young women in the 18th and 19th century. Hi, my name's Helen Ritchie and I'm a curator of applied arts at the Fitzwilliam Museum. That means I look after all of the 3D objects, everything from sculpture, ceramics, metalwork, through to textiles and armour. The object that I'll be talking about today is called a sampler. We have hundreds of samplers in the collection at the Fitzwilliam Museum, but unfortunately they're not out on permanent display because they require very low light levels. Samplers are strips of fabric, usually linen, that have been embroidered and stitched using a variety of different stitches. They often incorporate the alphabet and biblical or moral verses, as well as flowers, animals and occasionally more complex scenes, and were made from the 17th century onwards. They originally had a function, they were used as references for different stitches and patterns before printed material became more widely available. But they were also made by different people for different purposes. For orphaned and impoverished girls living throughout the 18th and 19th centuries, samplers could act as CVs. Samplers could be shown to potential employers, demonstrating their practical needlework skills. For wealthier middle and upper class young women, Samplers showed off their refined, precise and decorative needlework skills, but also displayed their knowledge and understanding of the Bible and contemporary morals. Samplers were made for both reference and for display. They could be public or private, kept by the young women who made them, or given as gifts to friends, family and benefactors. Many, like the one I'm talking about now, have a religious element, but others record personal or even national events. This particular sampler is called a band sampler because it is split into 10 horizontal bands. It has been embroidered using two different stitches in a variety of coloured sil silk threads. It includes the alphabet in both upper and lower cases, a series of numbers, some letters that don't make up words and which are probably initials, and a date, 1795. It also includes lots of little pictures a swan, a peacock, a man and a woman holding hands under an arbour of flowers, a bird, a child, a mound with rabbits, a church, a house, a vase of flowers, and a depiction of the temptation of Adam and Eve. You can see a naked Adam and Eve standing on either side of the tree with the snake coiled around it. Other religious elements are less obvious to our modern eyes. For example, in Christian iconography, the peacock symbolises Christ's resurrection and immortality. Many of the other animals, though, are probably just cute creatures added by the maker because they liked them. This sampler is really special because it's a brilliant example of the kinds of work carried out by young women as part of their education. Female education gradually became more widespread from the late 17th century onwards. For poor young women, emphasis was placed on skills that would make sure they gained employment one of the most important of which was needlework. In order to enter domestic service, young women would be expected to have good needle skills and be able to mend and mark linen. Decorative work wasn't so important. But for more prosperous girls, embroidery was seen as a refined accomplishment and a vital part of their education. 
Most girls, even of the middling sort, would have been expected to undertake some sewing tasks. But decorative embroidery was seen as a useful and improving skill for middle and upper class women, especially as there was often a devotional element to it. So girls of all backgrounds made samplers, their style and content reflecting their varying station in life. Earlier samplers were often used to help remember how to do particular stitches, but over the centuries, fewer and fewer different kinds of stitches were used, but the variety of designs, images and text included grew, showing more and more awareness of literary and biblical themes and revealing a general improvement in the level of education received by these young women. This sampler is special too because we know it was made by a young woman in particular. Most objects found in art museums were made by men, as historically artists were usually male. Professional artistic opportunities were not afforded to women, and this is obvious when you walk through the galleries in our national and regional museums and look at the names on the labels of the objects on display. Samplers, however, although not made or sold professionally, were created exclusively by young women. They are important pieces of material culture, providing evidence about a group of people not often represented in museum collections. Also, many museums only display the rarest sorts of objects, those which were very expensive or belonged to famous people. Samplers are different. Although they did cost something to make, the silk threads were relatively expensive. Samplers vary hugely and were made by a variety of people, not just the very wealthy. So although they don't tell us about the lives of the very poorest women, who are sadly not usually represented anywhere in museums, they can provide a window into the lives of more ordinary people. The artist of this sampler is unknown, because unlike some other samplers, the young woman who made it didn't embroider her own name on it. There are some clues, though, as to who might have made it. There's a string of letters embroidered towards the top of the sampler, which seem to be in twos, with the second letter in each case being an S. These may be the initials of the girl's family members, with everyone's surname beginning with an S. These grouped initials are typical of Scottish samplers, as is the inclusion of a peacock. Therefore, it's likely that the maker of the sampler belonged to a well-off Scottish household, her surname beginning with the letter S. However, that's as close as we can get to identifying the maker in this case. Originally, of course, when the sampler remained in the young woman's family, or after it had been given as a gift, the name of the maker would have been known. But unfortunately, this oral history has not been passed down and is lost to us. When samplers were first purchased by collectors in the late 19th century, interest was mainly in the quality and variety of the stitching and the general attract attractiveness of the finished sampler. Information about where it came from or who may have made it was of less interest, and even if known, was not necessarily recorded for perpetuity. This can be frustrating for researchers and collectors nowadays, many of whom are interested in the samplers as evidence of lives lived or as tools for genealogical research. Names and dates recorded on samplers can be incredibly useful for people researching family history. Some samplers provide more clues as to identity than others. Other samplers in the Fitzwilliam Museum's collection are known to have been made by girls from Quaker families because of the consistent inclusion of certain extracts from the Bible or other religious works. Similarities between other samplers have led researchers to identify groups of samplers made by girls attending a particular school or taught by a particular teacher. 
This, combined with a name and date, can allow us to occasionally pin down exactly who made a sampler. Not knowing the exact name of the girl who made the sampler means that it can't be used for genealogical research. However, it's still a useful document, as well as a beautiful thing to look at. Samplers, even if we don't know exactly who made them, are evidence of a growing sense of the individuality of children and young women throughout the 17th, 18th and 19th centuries. Attitudes towards children and what childhood meant changed greatly during this period, moving towards the view we hold now that children are as individual as adults. This wasn't always the case, and in earlier centuries, children were provided with few outlets for creativity. Although samplers usually incorporate some set elements, like the alphabet, there is scope for individuality and creativity in choosing what to include and what not to, what order to put things in and deciding what looks best where. For example, the young woman who made this sampler was clearly much keener on animals than on flowers. There are far fewer flowers than you normally see on samplers of this date, but a whole range of creatures. Samplers took a long time to make and represent a sustained effort and period of concentration on the part of the young women who made them. They provided a way for girls to express their identity, allowing them to incorporate their family, as this one seems to, through the use of initials. There may be other personal elements too, for all we know, the smart, double-fronted brick house seen on this sampler may have been the home of the girl who made it, and the church depicted may represent her local parish church. Whether they were made by girls living in towns or the countryside, samplers usually include rural or pastoral elements, especially plants and animals, which are far from the industrialization and urbanization that we associate with the 18th and 19th centuries in particular. In this way, samplers are, as a type of object can also be read as nostalgic for Britain's supposed idyllic past. As stitched documents, samplers play a role in illuminating and helping us to explore more generally the lives of unrecorded young women from the past. Samplers were not only valued by the women who made them and their immediate family, but were often passed down in families, usually through the female line. Historically, the lives of women were not recorded as often as those of men, and so these precious pieces of work were important reminders of female ancestors. During the late 19th century, samplers started to enter the commercial market and have been collected ever since for the quality of their workmanships and often because of the inclusion of an early date or name. This sampler belonged to a collector called Mrs. Harriet Longman. Mrs. Longman bequeathed her collection of over 130 samplers to the Fitzwilliam Museum in 1938. These added to the 185 samplers left at the museum 10 years earlier, in 1928, by Dr. J. W. L. Glacier, who's better known for the 4,000 ceramics that he left to the museum. Mrs. Longman was from an academic family who were interested in objects, history and people. Her father was Sir John Evans, a pioneering archaeologist and geologist, her eldest brother, Sir Arthur Evans, was an archaeologist and a curator at the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford, while her other brother, Lewis, collected scientific instruments that eventually formed the core of the collection of the Museum of the History of Science in Oxford. Her younger half-sister, Dame Joan Evans, was a jewellery historian and bequeathed her collection of posy rings to the Victorian Albert Museum in London. Mrs Longman herself married Mr Longman of the Longman Academic and School Book Publishers. This combination of a childhood surrounded by collectors and her later link to educational publishing may explain Mrs Longman's interest in samplers that are both decorative and linked to education. 
We know that Mrs. Longman purchased this particular sampler in 1898 from another woman, a dealer called Miss Cutter. This was just over 100 years after the sampler was made, and so it can't have remained in its original family for a particularly long time. Mrs. Longman collected samplers from both England and other European countries, such as Germany, which was unusual at the time. She seems to have been particularly interested in the decorative qualities of samplers. I can see why this one caught her eye. Thank you, Helen. That's a whole new insight into how to stitch together a CV. This series of talks is born from a Kettles Yard exhibition in collaboration with the University of Cambridge Museums, titled Artist Unknown. It brings together works of art from across the university's collections from July to September 2019. If you're listening during that time period and a trip is possible, make sure to visit. Thanks for listening.